Hold on. We are now leaving for Terminal 2. If you have your boarding pass and you're checking your bag to your final destination. Okay, just one more thing. Disclaimer. Names and places have been changed to protect staff and residents of the cupola. We ask that no one seeks to out or harass any of the people who live or work there. Rather, please listen with an open mind and remember that this is one community among many in a very broken system. Our experience is our own. We do not claim to be experts, nor are we seeking revenge. We are working through our own heartbreak and believe our story is worth telling, if for no other reason than to get it off our chest. Thank you for listening. Have I told you about my squirrel? Yeah. <laughs> the rabid squirrel. <laughs> With half a tail? It's literally scrat. He just wants to be loved. It's, so, it's definitely rabid. Ugly things need love too, you know? <laughs> not in my house. <laughs> we shun the ugly. <laughs> I, I was there. I, I'll tell you what I heard of the story, and I learned a lot more of like the background and everything once you and I were friends. Okay. <laughs> because I didn't know all of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes. Oh, Say that again. Who's in the kitchen? The driver? Yeah. That makes sense. When I started in senior living, it was like a well-known fact that the average lifespan of any director in any community is three years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way. And that's way. eyeballing on That is high. That's very mm-hmm. high. That like most of them will not last three years. And I was like, that's crazy. It's not. It's very true. I really just like started to see the light that this beautiful community was not so beautiful on the inside. Mm-hmm. A lot of our jobs was spending money and we were expected to, but then we were not given the tools to do so. so- Oh my God, like I feel like I could freaking go on forever about your hatred of these cookies. Yes. Should we plug your business on the podcast? We don't have any sponsors yet. How sponsor? It doesn't require money. Well, yeah, it doesn't require money because you're on the podcast. <laughs> you're already here. <laughs> okay. Ashley, what are we doing today? Well, (laughs) uh, if uh, you were with us in person, you would see a plethora of an assorted amount of ribbon because I'm about to make a shit ton of bows um, for a side gig that I'm hoping to make my full gig because I have my first show this weekend. Um, look me up on social media, Love Ashley. You may have to look up Love Ashley M-A. Apparently it's um, I'm a little difficult to find. But anyway, I make door <laughs> hangers. We're so good at marketing. And uh, <laughs> it's difficult to find. But if you're if you want it bad enough, hey, okay, send it. us a message. Yeah. I'll shoot you the link. <laughs> I make really cool stuff. I think you'll like. She does. Home decor. Text me about custom options.
Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, where were we? So I think so. I think we've gotten to the point. We've, we've talked about how you got to the cupola your first six months. We've talked about my first few months there. Um, I think after Christmas, the biggest thing that came was definitely the anniversary. Yeah. So we need to introduce um, what happened to Dick, first of all. Oh. We got to introduce what happened to Dick. The first food and beverage truck. Yeah. Actually, let's go through the first batch of terminations. Yeah. Like, how... uh, So we had the opening team. We had the first gen of all of these uh, directors at the Cupola. And... um, how long did that last, Ash? Um, I'm trying to specifically remember who was the first to go, and I, I think it was Butch. I don't. I think it was it. It was your replacement, or no, you were the replacement. I think it was the life enrichment director. Right, was the first to go. Okay, and we talked about that and why she was asked to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was the first to go and she, let's be honest, she just wasn't cut out for the job. I right. hate to see anybody lose their job, but she was just not going to make it mm-hmm. in the cupola's atmosphere. So she was the first to go. And then my direct supervisor, the, um, sales and marketing director was second. He, uh, walked out. Um, and there's like, there's two sides to every story, obviously. Um, I am very, very, very still to this day close to, um, that sales and marketing director. He's a very close family friend of mine. Um, and he has been for years and I hear his story and I 100% support and hear him, And then obviously our executive director at the time, I hear like her version of the story and there's all, again, there's two sides to every story. And I honestly still to this day, I just don't know what to believe. I 100% support the sales and marketing director and I believe him 100%, but I'm telling you, man, like our executive director, she had a way of with words. She just Mm -hmm. knew, she knew exactly what to say, when to say it, and had, like, this just talent. So, anyway, he was the second to go. From what I understand and know, um, he was essentially given very unrealistic expectations, um, and he... um, was essentially told to that he had to do certain things that were not in his um, job description to do. And um, they essentially said, like, if you don't do this, blah, 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 blah. So he said, okay. Um, And he left. Uh, And he, at the time, his daughter also worked there um, and she left with him. Um, and uh, it was a really sad day for me, especially because, again, like he I was very, very close with him. I worked with him at my previous community. Um, he is the reason why I have my 
very abnormally large fish, butch. Um, <laughs> That's why we called him Butch. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so he was the second to go, and that honestly was that was the beginning where my trust issues started and Mm -hmm. where like I started to really keen in on some of the things that I should have been more, um, I should have been more, yeah, yeah. Um, savvy of and so he was the first to go. Um, and then I believe after that, our food and beverage director, was shortly thereafter um, to go. <laughs> and again, two sides to every story. Okay, I think we can we can pretty much summarize though with the way that Butch left and the it was like a power struggle thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we can kind of summarize that. There were obviously there was more to it, but it was it was about power and about who was in charge of what, and mm-hmm. it just didn't end well. No, it did not end well, and that happened very quickly. Because uh, remember, Butch was Butch interviewed me mm-hmm. before I got the job, and by the time I started, he was gone. Yep. So that was a very quick situation. Yeah, it was it was out of the blue. Honestly, he. He came out of his office, pulled me aside, said, I'm leaving, I'm sorry, and literally packed up his stuff and left. And um, I'm sure at some point we will talk to him, um, and he'll be a part of our podcast here. Yeah. Um, And he can tell his perspective of the story, but... uh, yeah, it was just it was very traumatic yeah. for a, a lot of people because again, like he was he was technically the first employee. Anyway, that's that. Yeah. So that was the first um first to go. First to go. Bye. It's <laughs> so sad. It is sad. <laughs> so he was the first to go and then we come to um the next person to leave, the cupola from first gen. Uh, who was, who we named in the last episode, Dick. Dick. Dick has that name for a reason. Um, So as I said before in the the last episode, Dick was never super nice to me, so it was not a big, (laughs) I was not heartbroken when he left. I was. Yeah. Although. Also, he left. Wait, did I get engaged? I did. So I went on vacation with my, at the time, long-term boyfriend. Um, we got engaged. I came back, and he was gone. Mind you, I was on a cruise, so I didn't even know what was happening. I heard about it, like, after I came back. It was very it was dramatic. Very it was very dramatic. <laughs> um, so he, ascend- he I, I, again, I don't even know if he got fired or if he left on his own. But he essentially... I think, and this is the situation Why don't you tell? Because you technically were there. All right. So from my perspective, um, there was something that happened. There was an altercation that happened in the um, lobby, in the club lobby, at after hours. It was around 9 p.m. So obviously everybody was gone except for the food and beverage team. And 
the concierge. And so I got this story secondhand from the concierge um, afterwards. But essentially, a man came in to the front desk and demanded to speak to Dick. And the concierge, not knowing who this man was, uh, called for him and he came out to meet with this man in the front lobby. The front lo- the man in the front lobby then proceeded to throw a punch and start yelling um, just obscenities at Dick because uh, it turns out this man's daughter was a 19-year-old server in our community who Dick had been. No, I think she was a CNA. Well, she was a CNA. You're right. Yeah. You're right. She was in the nursing staff in our community. He had other. Yeah. <laughs> there was some, he, he did have some fun with servers. But, um, yeah. So, uh, he's like, she's underage. How dare you? And the problem with this is, obviously, it's in a common area. There are residents still lingering. Like, there were residents that witnessed this happen. And so... The next morning, it, it, it kind of was put into a situation, which happens with a lot of directors. I think it's like senior living's like go-to for getting rid of people is instead of firing someone, you force them to resign, and that's what happened. They he resigned mm. the next day after that. Um, effective immediately. Effective. He resigned effective immediately, and that was that. That was that. Um, something about. Uh, food and beverage. I don't know what it is. I think, I think about that book a lot, that Anthony Bourdain, like kitchen secrets or whatever. Um, kitchen confidential where he talks about how like the server life and the kitchen life is just, it's different. Oh, it a hundred percent. It's a different world. And I totally believe that. And, but especially in senior living in general. Yeah. It's, you just, it's just a very different set of rules. It's like a little mafia of its own. Mm -hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It feels like a, yeah, definitely. So, um, so that was that for Dick. Yeah. So, um, fast forward, I don't know, maybe a year. So that whole interaction goes to court. Um, and apparently, um, she made it all up. What? Yeah. What? I did not know that. And he won. Oh mm-hmm. Wait, did he sue the couple after that? I don't know or that for sure. Or her for defamation. Uh, he, so I think it, it was like the dad or something, um, was trying, stop, Bucky, stop. The dad was like essentially trying to go out for, um, child endangerment. Stop. Get She's down. 19. She, it's something like that. Yeah. I don't know, like inappropriate behavior or something, something along those, like, don't quote me, but right. something inappropriate at, right. in the workplace. Right. Um, sh- and, uh, yeah. So he took it to court and, and won or no, like he, like they had a trial on everything and he was not guilty because she made it all up. That's crazy. I know. Who did you hear that from? Him. No way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Can you, I just want to like pause for a second. I know Dick and I had our differences, but can you imagine 
what our life would have looked at like. Oh, it would have been totally different. I, totally I really think. Totally different. I, like, can you imagine what the anniversary would have looked like? Oh. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So then we had a new position open for a chef. And getting a food and beverage director is a lot harder than you might think. I mean, we, we just talked about, like, Kitchen Confidential, food and beverage industry is just a different beast. Yeah. But as much as senior living has not-so-great regulations, one regulation it does have is that you have to pass a background check and you can't have any felonies, mm. which is hard to find in good chefs. It's hard to find a good chef without any felonies. We interviewed one guy who was so fantastic, and he was just really cool and easy to talk to. I was so excited. I was so excited to bring him on board. I was like, we are going to have the best activities. I asked him about like, Oh yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he work at like the Hilton or something? Yeah. Yeah. He worked at like in a big hotel chain. I asked him, I said, Hey, like if I asked you to make a giant gingerbread house for the holidays, what would you say? He would say, how giant are we talking? Like he was like, he was really enthusiastic with all of the ideas and stuff. So I was really excited. And then he didn't pass the background check. Yeah. And so, um, for something that happened, I think I want to say like juvenile. Yeah. When he was was a juvenile and that he did not think that that would show up, but it did. So because of that, he was unable to get the position. Um, and that was a huge bummer because we were we were ready to hire him on the spot. Not that I was in charge of hiring, but they do they did do some group interviews, and I was really excited. Um, so instead, we get this. Um, mm. I'm getting goosebumps right now. I know this. Oh, it makes me so this is angry. Very traumatic for season. <laughs> honestly, we get this like he's wearing a fucking <laughs> vest, like a full on like. Okay, okay, okay. You know in Monopoly, you know the Monopoly man with his, like, mustache and top hat? Like, think of that outfit. That's what he looks like, honestly. Yeah, that's what he looks like. He looks like the fucking Monopoly man with a white mustache, okay? <laughs> he comes in, and he is just, like, the most, like, thick, like, like if, you're, if you're planning on making fun of somebody from the UK, they would have his accent. Like, it is the most... Like, his favorite word was smashing. <gasps> oh, <laughs> did you forget that? Yes. <laughs> Actually, has goosebumps. Was smashing, and he would make everybody repeat it with him. Like, it was like his gimmick. Like, and anyway, so, but his, he interviewed very well. He, like, honestly, he interviewed very well. He came in with a binder full of pictures. Oh yeah, I'm like getting flat. I know, I know. Full of there are so many stories in this story alone. I know. I know. Oh, oh my god. god! So like he came in with binders full of pictures of events and um, meals he made. He had pictures of food, and he said that he specialized in memory care food. Okay, and that's an important thing to remember. Okay, so that he specialized in memory care food and also creating purees that looked like real food. So one of the things in memory care, um, something that comes along with dementia is you literally, um, your body, you're forgetting how to do things. You're forgetting how to chew. You're forgetting how to swallow. There's a lot of choking hazards in memory care. 
And also that just goes along with aging in general. So a lot of our memory care residents are on different kinds of diets that include pureed food or soft food or something like that. And we still want them to have a dignified meal. So one of the things that um, the executive director was really pushing for was getting somebody in the kitchen who knew how to use molds, which is like literal, like they would use like a little mold of like a turkey leg and then put like pureed turkey in it to a Let's certain consistency. Let's be honest, did anybody in the history of the cupola ever use them? No. I didn't think so. Never, ever. There, that never happened. But that was his pitch. Yeah. That was his whole pitch to, about himself was like, I will, I will transform your memory care. Mm-hmm. These people deserve dignified food. And that also, they brought Holly in for that. And she was really into that too. Holly was Holly. Memory care director. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she was really into that too. So that was, that was his selling point was like that he was going to transform memory care. And he was very charming, and he was very British, and um, everyone was just so swooned by him. Like, Mm -hmm. it was just like freaking hearts in their eyes. Um, So he... And excited again. Yeah, we were so excited. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were excited to have somebody new in the kitchen who wasn't um, fucking all the staff. So we were really into Mm -hmm. it. So that was... That started, um, and it was, again, one of the uh, catalysts of the downfall of, of the cupola, in my opinion, and all of its standards. So he started, he, um, we, we got through the holidays together. I think some of my red flags with him came up around Christmas time because I would ask for, like, cookies, like Christmas cookies, and he would order them from Cisco. And they would just be, like, the frozen, like, not even freshly baked. He would just thaw these sugar cookies with, like, cheap sprinkles on them. Like Yeah. And the cheapest, like, ugliest. That continued on. I hate those cookies with a passion. I do, too. And the thing is, like, and he everybody would say they were homemade. Okay. Oh. Mm. And that's... It makes me so mad. Yeah. Like, I, you're, you're, you're a liar. It says Cisco on the box. Like... Anyway, so let's also, it's like, let's put a better um, picture in mind for these said cookies. So we're talking like cookies, the hard sugar cookies that like, like crumble when you bite into them. And if you're breathing at the time, not even delicious. It was insulting. It was an insult to everyone who'd eaten a freaking cookie. Yeah. But because he was British and that was his gimmick too, this man would not stop talking about how he made the best scones. Oh. Or scones. Oh, I make the best scones. Oh, Cece, when you do a tea party, I'm going to make the best scones. It's going to blow them away. He did. He, um... And he, his scones were so, they, they tasted like ass. And he only made chocolate chip scones, which... I didn't want. I don't. I don't like chocolate in my pastries. Oh my god! I don't like chocolate in my pastries. I know that's like really. If you're full of shit. Do you eat chocolate croissants? Yeah, but that's different. I, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. This bitch. I just don't like. I just didn't like. <laughs> I'll be. I just didn't like him, and I didn't like his scones. Okay, they were dusty. They were dry. They. I have to agree. They weren't great. No, and they were hard as. Fuck rocks. Like, they weren't good. And it was all he talked about was how good his scones are. 
And um, our executive director, I feel like this was more to save face than anything and also to keep me from complaining because I, I did that a lot and she was sick of it, I guess. But she would talk about the scones are actually really good, Cece. You need to calm down. Whatever. Whatever. <sighs> he was literally the worst. And so we try to come up with what we're going to call him. And we've decided Barnaby because that's a painfully English name. This was a painfully English person. <laughs> or, I mean, at this point, was his accent even real? I don't believe anything about it. Not from that man. I don't know. It just, there was so much shady stuff about this man. So many red flags. So Barnaby starts, and he comes with, like, big promises about all these things he's going to do and change. And uh, he was just terrible from the start. And it's interesting because our memory care director, Holly, was the first person to be really, really angry with him and to be convinced that he was a con man, um, which is eventually what did get uh, me into my first, like, bit of trouble at the cupola was my investigation of him as a con man <laughs> and sharing that investigation with Ashley. Um, yeah. So what had happened was, uh, he had served something hideous for the memory care for a memory care meal. And I don't remember what the main course was, but the side include, Included cinnamon uh, steamed apples. Okay, like that was part of the meal. and Which sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds good. Like just steamed apples, cinnamon, it's soft, it's good for memory care to chew. Easy peasy. Um, so Holly took a picture of this meal and sent it to the executive director. She was so upset. She was so disgusted. And this, this man, this Barnaby, was very defensive. And he was just like, those are steamed apples. And Holly was like, I've worked in healthcare for 28 years, you idiot. This is clearly applesauce. <laughs> and it caused this huge fight. But he literally served applesauce and he was defending it. Like he was like, no, I stewed the cinnamon and the garlic and that, not garlic, cinnamon and the cloves and I made them and blah, blah, blah. It was just applesauce. And that's like a very small example of how he did everything. Like he would claim that he had used this recipe from years past and he just like freaking ordered stuff from Cisco. Like it just, everything was a lie. Not only that, but when you start a job in a senior living community in Florida, you have to take a whole bunch of training when you first get in. And Barnaby was just sick from the start. He had <laughs> so many excuses and reasons. Like, I swear, he worked there for over a year, but he probably spent maybe 90 days in the building. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Like, that is a high estimate. This man was never there. He was never at work. He always had a crisis or an emergency. And or he so, was dying. Or he was dying. He was so, so sick. And so, like, there was something that happened, and... I, I would get so frustrated because um, our executive director, Franny, she just like, she was just, loved him. she loved him and she was so supportive and just like, absolutely, whatever you need, Barnaby, you take all the time you need. Like, meanwhile, it's the fucking holidays and things are going to shit and he's not helping. 
And she's just like made every excuse for him in the world. Anyway, one of the things that he did that made me so infuriated, like he had his son, okay? His son, who did not work for the community, who did not have a background check. His son came into the kitchen, into Barnaby's office, and he took the trainings for him. These are digital. I still can't believe she let him. Get she away let him that. do that. He took the trainings, and everybody knew it. It was in fucking plain daylight. Like everybody saw this happen, and excuse after excuse was made for him. It's like, oh, you know, he's going through a lot. Blah blah blah. And I just, I get it. Like I've had traumatic stuff happen in my life, and I get it. Like life is hard. But if it's really that bad, you need to take a leave of absence so we can bring somebody in to replace you. Like, you're making everybody else's lives a living hell. But he very shortly, like, I don't even know what the timeline was for his heart attack, but he had heart issues. And and here's the thing. Okay. I got in trouble because I was like, I called bullshit on his heart attack. Um, or, and his open heart surgery, but here, and everyone's like, that definitely happened. Okay. However, like three months before that, he threw this big tantrum about how he was having a heart attack and he went to the doctor and they told him that he just had really bad gas. And he talked about it in morning meeting about how he was just really bloated. So... No, I didn't believe it when he had the real heart attack. I, he was crying wolf. He called out sick every fucking week. He was never there for a solid week doing his job. And I'm activities, okay? I'm life enrichment. I have to work very closely with the kitchen, and I can't work closely with the kitchen if no one is there. And it was just so infuriating. Not only that, there's, there's this thing called a food and beverage committee meeting, and it's a really important part of senior living. You have to have one uh, for every assisted living community. You have to have one every month. Um, ACA checks those records to make sure that you're talking to the residents about the food, and it has to be led by the food and beverage director. So we're like 90 days into this guy, and he started and everything, and I just, at this point, I am just so frustrated because I could not get him to say yes to doing a food and beverage meeting. I make the calendars, so I need to know. And so we put it on the calendar... Everything was good. He had another health issue, or so he claimed. And But he came back to work in time for the food and beverage meeting, which is great. But I had a resident come knock on my office door, and she's like, Cece, I spoke to Barnaby today, and he's not doing the food and beverage meeting, so you need to t- tell everybody. You need to take it off the calendar. And I was like, what do you mean? Why would he talk to you? Why wouldn't he talk to me? And she's like, oh, I don't know. He, he just spoke to me about it, so you need to go sure, make sure it's canceled. So I was so frustrated because it had been months, and I had not gotten this guy to do a food and beverage meeting. He refused to meet with the residents because he refused to be held accountable for the shit he hey. was serving. And so I talked to this resident, and I'm like, okay, let me go talk to him. And I went into the kitchen And I was like, Barnaby, I just spoke to this resident and they say that you're not going to do the food and beverage meeting. And he just like turned to me and he's like, well, Cece, I thought that some people might actually feel bad for me since I'm going through a lot right now. And I just like, (laughs) and I was like, 
okay, but you need to talk to me about it. You can't talk to a resident. Like, why would you talk to a resident about it? I'm the person who makes the calendar. Anyway, it turned into such a shit show. I spoke to HR shortly after, and thank God I did because he went to HR too. And he was like, CC yelled at me in my kitchen in front of all of my staff. <laughs> Which she didn't, by the way. I'm pretty sure I walked in on it. No, I didn't yell at him. And also, if I did, it was like this tone. Like, no. Also, the kitchen is loud, okay? There's like a million people in there. Um, but I was holding him accountable. And he just like threw a little bitch fit. And also, this is like a 65-year-old man being threatened by a 27-year-old woman. Like, calm down, okay? Do your job. It just got so out of control. So he talked about how I was so disrespectful and so cruel while he's going through all of this. And I clearly don't care. And um, I got called out for it. They were like, you know, you need to have more empathy for Barnaby. And I'm just like, fuck that. And um, that's when I started researching him. And that's when I started, when I went home and I started to look up. Uh, his background and his criminal history and his court history and documents from Chicago, which is where he was from. Um, I researched all of it and I researched all of it while texting Ashley. And uh, we discovered that he had not been a, um, like a highly trained executive chef, that his training was non-existent, that the school that he claimed to have gone to was not a school for cooking at all. It was a school for um, sailors that closed down in 1902. Like, this guy was so full of shit. Like, everything was a lie. We could not corroborate anything he said. And we found out that in Chicago, the senior livings that he'd worked at, that he said he had years of experience in, and he trained people and blah, 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 he worked out for less than six months and before that he had worked in a resort that he worked at for less than a year he worked at a resort for less than a year and then he was uh he was involved in a lawsuit against that resort for get this workplace harassment like as in he was being harassed he had sued them um anyway so it was just so messy and that's like you could find that repeated repeating offenses over and over and over he worked for a place for a short time and then he would claim harassment turn around and sue them and there were like three or four instances of that there was an instance of garnished wages for like twenty five thousand dollars uh like there's just all sorts of stuff like this man has been conning everyone like he just lied that man did not have an ounce of truth in his body and like what were okay what were some of his most ridiculous lies um he had like this cookbook that he said that you know like he these were his recipes and um he had been cooking them for years and then one of them i can't remember what it you'll probably remember one of them he claimed was like world winning that it was judged by the French, the English, you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, like an international cooking competition. Yeah, and he yeah. had won, and um, it 
it wasn't anything special, literally, like, at all. Was it Banana Foster? Is that what it was? It was Bananas Foster. <sighs> and I kid you not, that recipe was downloaded from allrecipes.com. Yeah. Like, he had said that he worked on a cruise ship, and that was his um, expertise in hospitality, mm-hmm. and that he had worked on these cruise ships. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Remember how he talked about his wife? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, okay, okay. So, first of all, he said that he worked on a cruise ship for 20s of years, okay, like for at least two decades, and he met a woman in Alaska, okay, oh, and as he was doing an Alaskan cruise, and she was the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. Uh, so he met her at a port, and they had one beautiful night together, okay? He's talking about this in morning meeting, okay? Which is also, like, the time when you're supposed to talk about, like, oh, hey, this is what's going on today. Are there any fire drills? No. Is anybody in the hospital? No. Okay, good. Have a good day. He's talking about this, okay? And he goes on, and he's like, we had this magical night together. And then... Five years later, I meet her again at a different port by chance. By chance, we weren't planning on it at all. And she says, you have a son. Dun, dun, dun. And that's... (laughs) And he's like, and that's how I met my son. (laughs) I hate him. No, you did not, you freaking lunatic. Okay? So here, and here's the other thing, like, this is how deep we got, like, we researched his sons, and his, like, that son has a different last name than him. So if it's, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, like, uh. And it's not her maiden name either. That is not her maiden name, and it is not his last name. You're so full of it. Like, you're just trying, like, every story he was the hero. Uh, he also told the story about how, um, like one of his most memorable days at sea was when somebody on the cruise ship died and they gave him a burial at sea. Yeah. They just threw him out into the ocean. They like wrapped up a body in some cruise ship sheets and put a flag on it. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Like he was so serious about that too. He was so serious. And Ashley and I were like trying not to like, we laughed and he's like, no, I'm serious. Like, we did that. Like, and he also he got so defensive, psycho. too, whenever we laughed at him. Or whenever, like, if we didn't take him seriously. Because he was, he knew he was full of shit. He was such a liar. It got to the point where, like, both Cece and I felt very uncomfortable around this man. Just because, like, we knew that no matter what he said, everybody else was going to believe him. Yeah. And no matter what we said... Like, we were full of shit. Yeah. And, and that was literally what was told And nobody, to me. also, nobody would defend us. No! No, we were the bad guys. We were the bullies. And he created that narrative very early on that I was a bully and that I was creating a hostile work environment. And it was really interesting because that's actually something that Holly and I bonded over because she was talking about how much of a con artist he was um, before she left and that he was just an absolute liar and he was just full of shit and he was and he was bad at cooking he was bad at decorating he claimed to have he also claimed to have won a lot of awards for tablescapes again every award he claimed to win we wrote down and researched it it didn't exist none of none of this stuff existed he just 
was a liar. And so he said he won awards for his amazing tablescapes and how beautiful they were. When Ashley and I did our anniversary event uh, for the one year anniversary of the cupola, which was a very big deal. And we had put so much thought and effort into it. And it was our first big project together. This man ruined every single station, everything we decorated, everything we created, he ruined it. Like, that sounds really dramatic and it sounds like I'm being like a diva, but it's it's just the truth. We stayed up all night. Literally. Yeah, we, we were in that fucking community <laughs> until, was it, I, th- I swear it was 3 a.m. It, it was 3 in the morning. Like, we were hanging, it's like, so on your way to Brazil, we hung these beautiful, like, palm fronds from the ceiling. So it had this, like, jungle feel. We made this beautiful floral, um, you know, background. Like, we did so much work for each of these places to decorate it. And then here comes Barnaby with his tables and his bricks of cement and his terrible decorating skills, okay? This man, okay, so we, he, at one point he got into um, the storage. He started taking over the activity storage, which was another uh, beef I had with him because he was just like getting into my shit and I was very irritated with that. We, were, we went into the Brazil area and we started decorating and we noticed that he had brought in some bins of Mardi Gras stuff. And we were like, what the, what is this for? Why are there Mardi Gras decorations here? And it was because he was thinking of Rio and Carnival. And he assumed that Carnival and Mardi Gras are the same thing or similar enough that you could use the same decorations, which they are not. And then his tablescape for Brazil, I'm getting so angry. His <laughs> tablescape for Brazil, he made a fucking mountain. He made a mountain out of cement and bricks and baskets. Like he just towered, a bu- piled a bunch of shit on a table threw a hideous tablecloth over it and then said, look, Cece, it's a volcano because Brazil is famous for their volcanoes. (laughs) I was so enraged. It was so hideous. It was so bad. And Japan, oh, like everything. And he he had to do, add like terrible, just terrible food decor everywhere like on every tablescape ever he was like here mini marshmallows throw those around <laughs> he did he put mini marshmallows on every on everything and on and coconut like oh. shredded coconut so it looked like little like lice lice were everywhere <laughs> i forgot about that and then if, and then in italy in italy <laughs> pasta just threw Crunchy raw pasta everywhere. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was so angry. Okay. And also, okay, this is a huge event. Okay. We're given a $20,000 budget. We spend $12,000 of that budget on decor and entertainment. Right. Okay. So that leaves a good chunk for Barnaby to figure out how to do the food. He... 
And we asked time and time and time again, like, is this good? Like, is this going to be enough for your budget? Do we need to adjust anything? And he would always be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's more than enough. No, I've got it all under control, ladies. Blah, blah, fuck, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> so it was so bad. And we kept, we kept everybody very involved. We had our expense reports. We had, we had our shit together. And on the day of the event, of the big event where we had our Epcot-like around the world thing, uh, Barnaby ran out of plates, cups, and napkins within an hour. Within an hour, we were sending people out to Walgreens and Walmart to buy plates and napkins because Barnaby had not prepared, even though we told him how many people we had sent invitations out to. Okay. So that's frustrating as hell. Then we come to the end of the anniversary week. And the last day of anniversary week is the captain's dinner. It's the big deal. It's the day for Barnaby to show off. Um, Boy, did he ever. Uh, for, he was also really obsessed with, like, old, gross fucking recipes. Like, lobster thermidor, which... Old people love that, though, see <sighs> They like lobster. They'll eat the freaking lobster with butter. But why you gotta mayonnaise it up? It makes me mad. It, <laughs> it really makes me mad. Anyway, oh, I'll make the best lobster thermidor and I'll do this and blah, 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 blah. And CC, you won't have to worry about a thing. I'm gonna hire in. So he hired an agency staff as well. So for that one night, um, the, the captain's dinner, Barnaby spent almost $50,000. Uh, which he attributed to the event budget, which made it look like we were $50,000 over budget. Mm -hmm. So I had to defend every purchase we made. I had to prove every purchase we made. It caused this whole big thing. And, but then of course, at the end of the day, you know what? Barnaby's under a lot of stress. And he does, he works really hard, Cece, and you shouldn't be so hard on him. He's got a lot of things going on. He's personally. got a lot of things going on personally. Um, at one point, oh my gosh, at one point his daughter was apparently running from a, um, toxic relationship, which, and I don't want this to sound like I don't like believe women. I definitely believe women. I've had sisters and sisters-in-law in abusive relationships and I will do anything for people in that situation. So I understand that sometimes emergencies happen, but this is Barnaby. So no. So he, he, so no. so no, I don't believe it. So he came into work. He missed a Monday again. That man was never at work on Mondays, like Mondays and Fridays. He just like disappeared. It's the truth. And he would, he came in on a Tuesday and he came in and he just looked like shit. He looked terrible. And he was just like, Oh, I just got back from Vegas last night. And we were like, Oh, Okay. He's like, I got back from Vegas. My daughter called me. This man's been hitting her. So you knew, you know, I had to go out there and I had to help her. And I was like, okay, is she living with you now? Oh no, she's still there. Uh, okay. And then he talked about this fight that he got into with her boyfriend and how it was like really violent. And like he, he punched him and he had to talk to the police and all this shit. And I'm just like, Sir, you know that we can look up the police reports right now and see if that happened. Like, that didn't even... Uh, it's just, I hate liars. 
And why lie about that? Again, he just wanted to look like a hero in everything he did. That was his ultimate goal in every story he told was to prove to us that he was a hero. All right, Ash, I need you to tell the tablecloth story because I think I'll get too angry. The orange tablecloth? Oh, that one too. Which tablecloth? <laughs> all the, just tell all the Barnaby tablecloth stories. Oh, oh, the... Um, get down. The, uh, okay, got it. It's recording. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, CC, we're getting better at this. Off the record, asked me to tell the tablecloth story. Yeah, um, because she'll get she'll get a little um, worked up, worked up. Um, just talking about it, I can. I literally said to her just a few minutes ago, I was just like, CC, like <laughs> you're already. <laughs> I'm getting fired up. She is. She's getting fired up. So anyway, um. For the anniversary event, um, so we had, obviously, we had all of these countries with different themes and everything, so obviously you're going to need tablecloths for all your tables. And um, food and beverage is typically, like, who would take care of tablecloths, obviously. And um, so uh, Barnaby was in charge of tablecloths, and... Um, he comes in, I think, no exaggeration, I believe literally like day of indicating that he got the tablecloths from a friend of his, super great rate that he got them at. Like, I mean, just unbelievable. I mean, you wouldn't even like imagine how cheap I got these tablecloths for. And I'm being this obnoxious and annoying because that's how he would say it. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so he got these tablecloths, but, you know, like he got, because they were so cheap, uh, he had to, he had to iron them. He had to wash them himself, but his washing machine broke. So he had to go to the local town laundromat of which he had to use 10 of their washing machines. And then he stayed up all night long washing the tablecloth and then ironing each and every single one of them. Mind you, he comes in with these tablecloths. Um, not only are they wrinkled, but they're stained. Um, they're like literally just like thrown into a pile of things. They're so disgusting. They're gross. And it was just like, it was just like another fucking joke. It's just like, dude, like seriously. And then of course it's just like, oh, poor Barnaby. Oh my gosh, you do so much for the community. You stayed up so, so much. Late. Oh, we're so thankful for you. And then Cece and I are literally just like, what the, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Like, mind you, Cece and I literally were in this building until 3 a.m. and then came to work for 7? Yeah, yeah. 7 that next morning um, for this event. And we just, like, we just, like, constantly busted our ass for this stupid place. And then, meanwhile, like, <laughs> fucking Barnaby gets to be, like, swooned over because he works so hard and all this bullshit and then also okay so in addition to that so the white tablecloths were wrinkly and dirty um he also 
um, got like colored tablecloths so to like go with like the decor and actually now that I think of it I think there were green tablecloths like in many of the displays and then there was a brown tablecloth in Egypt there was it was just green. odd colors yeah they were just like they were okay but the biggest just like I I specifically remember having a literal meltdown um, <laughs> when I went to Japan and saw orange tablecloths with our red decor and I I think I li- like somebody I don't know if it was you or or whoever but somebody had to like pull me aside because I was making a scene like I was so mad I think it was Franny and she was irritated that like you she she was really trying to calm us down from being so dramatic yeah I, I I was just so mad, and so literally, like I sent, um, I think, uh, the marketing director out to go and get. I, I think she agreed with me, but wasn't as dramatic about it as I was. Right. Again, like I was she had like put three fucking hours of sleep, dude. Right. So like whatever. Right. But, so anyway, uh, we had they went out, so it's like impossible apparently at this time to find um, red tablecloths. So I believe that, like, multiple places were gone to. We ended up getting something from Party City. And they were, like, so... So we had uh, high-top tables. um, So they obviously require a longer tablecloth. And (sighs) they just, like, draped, like, a... What seemed, like, almost like a napkin size quote-unquote tablecloth over the tables. It was so bad. It was so bad. And, like, we literally put so much time and effort into just, like, the tablecloths for this one display because, like, we couldn't find red tablecloths anywhere. And, like, it was just, like, everywhere Cece and I had went, we had to fix something um, because there was either coconut displayed everywhere (laughs) or fucking marshmallows. And then we would have to, like, go back and then, like, spritz it up. It was just, like... Oh my god! Like while we're managing the delivery, literally of everything. Fucking <laughs> like we're managing the delivery of a full size fucking sarcophagus. Okay? Yeah, every and other second they're that. like, "I'm here for Ashley. I'm here for Cece. I'm here for Ashley. I'm here for Cece." Yeah, and then we had to babysit. Where's Ashley? Barnaby Where's Cece? And it's fucking terrible. And and not only that, okay, like this may not sound like a huge deal, but the thing is, this event was in in the works for months, and we had laid it out for him. We laid it out very clearly. This is what we need from you. Your food and beverage. Oh, you're in charge of tablecloths. I got you. They don't need to worry. That, yeah, he was... <laughs> <laughs> not to worry, dear. Not to worry. Like, he was so slimy about it. Like, but we were very clear with what we needed and what we expected from him, and we got nothing. Nothing. Oh, don't you worry. There was also a very uh, big thing that he promised... For the grand finale of the event, which was Paris. Uh, for the Parisian display. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. I remember. <laughs> he us. Oh, I don't know. You might have to tell this. <laughs> you got this. This asshole. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Told us that he was going to carve. Hand carve. Hand carve. The Eiffel Tower out of chocolate. 
Okay? Again, this man promises the fucking world to everyone. I'm mad. I am mad. I am mad. He would not shut up about it. He wouldn't stop. And then he would, like, give updates about how, like, his progress and, like, carving this thing. And then literally, like, two days before, maybe even a day before, he indicates that the uh, sculpture has melted because he was carving it in his garage and that the rats had gotten to it. And so... He wasn't going to be able to fucking do anything. Oh, my God. Yes, the rats and the chocolate melting in the garage. And then he also indicated that that was another reason that he stayed up late, too, uh, was to try to fix that. But he decided the tablecloths were more important. And it was just it was just like we knew it. I knew he wasn't yeah. going to do it. Yeah, we both knew it. We knew it, that that was not going to happen. But it was just all of this frustration over everything. Yeah, like even even the freaking dessert, okay? His fucking bananas foster, which is just hot slimy bananas, okay? It's hot not slimy bananas. What the hell? That is not fancy dessert. You're so funny. I know. <laughs> anyway, it just makes me mad. His bananas foster that he was serving in Paris, which I don't think Paris is famous for bananas foster. First of all. Second of all, he ran out in like 30 minutes. He did. Such a jack. But like everything. And, and, and the most frustrating thing is like it literally felt like we were being gaslit. Like it felt like everybody else had a different experience with Barnaby. And we yeah. were just being dramatic. <laughs> we were being dramatic. We were being petty. That's literally this was like the first instance out. of us being like those petty bitches because we would not stop complaining about him or bringing up these issues. We were bringing up legitimate issues that made our life harder, that made collaborating with this man impossible, and we were just looked at like we were being so ridiculous. Like, you really need to have more empathy for him. Like, he's going through a lot. At one point, he drove to Ohio to put his mother into an assisted living community, or his mother-in-law into an assisted living community, and then he drove back again to go get her and bring her home to live with them. Like, this all happened over the course of less than a year, all of these things, like, and the general consensus from pretty much everyone around us was like, oh, well, he just, it's just bad luck. He just has the worst luck. Just just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. Like, would you like to tell the, um, the shoulder story? Oh my God! (laughs) I think you should. (laughs) (laughs) Barnaby was constantly trying to prove to everyone around us that he was a good guy and that he had my back because there was documentation that we had been infighting that I had, I had written statements to HR. He had written statements to HR and frankly, he was in the wrong. He had the bigger record, right? So he was constantly putting on this show in front of people. And it was like, it it, it got uncomfortable. It got really uncomfortable to the point where and I don't even do you remember like what triggered this conversation because I can't remember. Anything. I don't. I can't remember. <laughs> I just remember why he did this. <laughs> but we were. I was in the freaking admin office. Okay, so it's like the central hub for everybody, right? We're sitting there. I'm sitting there with Ashley, with somebody from corporate, and we're talking about something. And this man comes over. And he sits next to me 
and he takes my hand <laughs> and he starts telling me about something or somewhat or whatever and he's like acting really really caring and he's just getting closer and closer to me and I don't remember what he was talking about but it was like something like he was going to do something I asked him to do like a part of his job that's normal right and then he just like caringly this and is all happening in slow motion, by the way. It is so slow. It took like seven <laughs> minutes for this moment to end. It was so slow. It's incredibly and, <laughs> and he's just like staring deep into my eyes in a room full of witnesses, holding <laughs> my hand in both of his, and he's just scooting his wheelie chair a little bit. <laughs> and he leans in. And he kisses my shoulder, <laughs> like slowly, like full on mouth to shoulder, face smush action. And he just holds his head there. And I have terror in my eyes. And I am, I am, looking, <laughs> I am looking from Ashley to corporate. And I'm just like, <laughs> Somebody do something! And we're both just like <laughs> wide eyed, <laughs> not knowing what the hell to do. It's an uncomfortable thing. <laughs> and it's like the one time I wished HR was there. I never wanted HR anywhere near me, but I was like, damn it! The one time! Oh, that's so funny. And so he, he kissed me and he said, Something like, it'll be all right, darling, or sweetheart, or something. He always called me these pet names, and I fucking hated it. It made me so mad. But, like, <laughs> and then he, 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 like, patted my shoulder where he kissed mm -hmm. me, and he patted my hand, and he stood up, and he walked away. And then we just sat there in silence. And then we sat in silence for probably another, like, seven minutes until freaking Franny walked in. And then... Like, and then we just lost it. Like, <laughs> we had to tell Franny what happened. And, we were, and again, she didn't care. She didn't care. She thought it was hilarious. And she thought he was being really, really sweet. And like, guys, you shouldn't be laughing so much. He's being really sweet. And he's really trying, Cece. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, that definitely could have been filed for harassment. It was so odd and uncomfortable and it was such an act and such a show <laughs> oh my gosh like definitely one of my most uncomfortable moments in my work life <laughs> 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 and, and it was probably one of Ashley's most uncomfortable work life <laughs> <laughs> and she just witnessed it <laughs> it was bad and, uh, it was so funny because the corporate lady she was laughing so hard <laughs> she didn't know what to do either. and she didn't do anything but she reenacted it and reenacted my emotions and it was really <laughs> we had a good laugh after that but um yeah that's the closest you ever got to me and it was this too close <laughs> too close for comfort and then at one point during the pandemic he bought me a jar of peanut butter what yeah he wrapped it too okay but it's because he was an asshole to me about something. And so then he was and like, I'm just here it. to apologize. I know you love peanut butter. Fucking weirdo. I know. <laughs> it was like two days after I threw up his chili mac, too. <laughs> I don't remember him being there for the pandemic because I remember him. I remember the chef being there and how he ended. 
Yeah, you're right. Like, so he didn't, like, stay quarantined with us. Barnaby did not quarantine with us. But um, he did move in as chef. So we should... uh, So the way that um, our community was set up, you're supposed to have an executive chef Mm -hmm. and a food and beverage director and a dining room manager. And those three people run the kitchen and all of the restaurants within the community, right? Barnaby was really obsessed with bringing his friend over um, to work for us, to be part of the community, and to be his co-chef. Uh, but there was already somebody in that position, um, and that somebody was somebody that Ashley and I had worked closely with, and we thought was really cool. You know, we'd gone through a couple chefs at this point, but he had been, he kind of was working his way up in the kitchen, and he was you know, gunning for that executive chef job. Uh, but Barnaby didn't want to give it to him. He wanted to bring over, bring his friend in. So there was a situation that happened, and this was my first incident of me reaching out to corporate asking for help because I just thought what had happened was so disgusting. But essentially, Franny came back from something... Um, she had gone through some health issues and she was gone for a couple of weeks and she came back. And as soon as she came back, all of her energy and Barnaby's energy was put into getting rid of this, um, assistant chef who had done nothing wrong, but they stepped up while nobody else is there and stepped up while literally there was no leadership because Barnaby's out, you know, saving his daughter from an abusive relationship that didn't exist. Like, or like... (laughs) I don't know, like saving zoo animals. He had a different story every week. It didn't matter. He was, he was up to no good, but, um, yeah. So they just basically conspired. They spent the whole day in the admin office conspiring as to how they were going to get rid of this cook. And then they did it. They fired him and it was really gross. And I was just so disgusted by it because that shouldn't be allowed. You shouldn't be allowed to just fire somebody just because you want your friend to work there. And that's what happened. Um, but during the panoramic, um, Barnaby got what he wanted and he was able to hire his friend who moved into the community because he moved from out of state. He moved from out of state. He didn't have anywhere to so live. So we let him live so, there. So we gave him a suite. Right, so he was already living in the building when we moved in because of the lockdown. So I'll work out for him. I guess he was okay. Just the situation that brought him there was really gross. Yeah. And then there was also, oh my gosh. So remember, um, he went missing? Yeah. Yeah, he left and he went missing. And like Barnaby, nobody knew where he was. Barnaby said, he's abandoned me. He's quit. He's left and he's gone forever. Um, And it was another like, woe is me Barnaby story, which is all we ever heard. Okay. And so Franny was like, well, what the hell? And then she gets a call from this chef, this friend of his that says, "Uh, I did not abandon you or quit. My mom died and I had to fly to South America to be with her. Or, to, like, to say goodbye. I told Barnaby all of this. 
So he was lying about his own friend who he hired, who he conspired to fire other people to bring on board. And this friend was like, oh, no, uh, actually, I still work for you. What the hell? But then he ended up quitting because Uh, of the drama. But then he did quit, yeah, because his name was, like, besmirched across the whole kitchen. (laughs) Basically, he said that he was getting, his mother was dying, okay, and he left town to go be with her. Um, He was getting texts from his staff in the kitchen saying, why did you get in a fight with Barnaby? Why did you abandon ship? So after Barnaby's friend, who he, you know, conspired to get on board, quit because he was so offended by everything that happened and thought that he couldn't save face anymore at this point, blah, blah, blah. That's when I think Franny started coming to terms with Barnaby's lies. Lies. Yeah. After what we had been telling her for months, she finally, like, caved and said, okay, something's fishy. Right. So when the executive chef, or when the food and beverage director, Barnaby, started talking about how he invented the shrimp and grits recipe that they serve at the boathouse at Disney, the AED was like, I call bullshit instantly, which is what finally led to the demise of Barnaby. And he was confronted and called out for his lies about his friend who he brought on, he worked very hard to bring on, and then subsequently fired or just like lied about getting rid of and he was was he terminated or did he resign no he was terminated because remember franny what franny was supposed to and then she chickened out and sent uh butthead and uh hr you're right yeah butthead and rbf mm -hmm. so they ended up firing him Mm-hmm. That was a great day. Yeah, remember you watched him walk out. I did. <laughs> and I was like literally looking out the window. I was just like, where, where, where? And you were like, it just happened. It happened so fast. And it wasn't dramatic enough, honestly, but it it it, it is what it is. It ended finally. And the freaking tears that I had to cry over things that man did to me and just predicaments he put me in or just, just, fr- just frustration over him man I just I was so happy to see him go and I really thought there there are quite a few moments in my history at the cupola where I'm like oh this is the turning point yeah here's where it gets better that was one of them that was one of them um spoiler alert it didn't work out (laughs) (laughs) but no (sighs) for years we told each other that it was going to get better. It's going to get better. Hang in there. Probably said it like... Just around the river bed. (laughs) (laughs) Probably said it to each other at least six to seven times a day. Oh, for sure. Because that's what we were holding on to. And again, we were really good at our jobs. And so it kind of just felt like... Like, naturally, I just feel like if you're good at something, you should be allowed to do it. And that's just not how life works people who are bad at things get to succeed all the time which we got to watch firsthand hi listeners one thing we 
keep forgetting to tell you is that we have an email address. If you have any senior living stories or tea you'd like to spill or you'd like to hear repeated back to you in our um, petty little voices, send us an email, pettygirlspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's petty, P-E-T-T-Y-G-I-R-L-S podcast at gmail.com. Send us a note. We would love to hear from you. We'll see you next week.